to the Better Me Podcast. I am your host, Jen, and just a friendly reminder, I'm merely a curious girl looking for a platform to chat, learn, and dish. I'm not a professional therapist or claim to be an expert. Also, in every episode, I can't assure you this is at all appropriate for children, so be aware of that when starting to listen. And with that, let's work on being a better me. Hi, and welcome to the Better Me Podcast. This is Jen. Thank you so much for tuning in today. On today's episode, John and I have kind of a heavy topic. We are going to be talking about childhood trauma, how to recognize it, things to do to cope. And also we're going to be talking about like the pros and cons of therapy. So I think this is going to be a really interesting and um, educational episode. It's probably going to be a little bit heavy, so I guess I'll give you like a little bit of a trigger warning Um, and can't promise that it's not going to be a little bit emotional too. So I hope you enjoy. I thank you so much for rating, reviewing, subscribing. I really appreciate that. And if you haven't done so, please do. I just love when you guys do that. So um, also, if you're not following me on Facebook and Instagram, I'm at Petterview Podcast, and you can message me, DM me. I love to hear your comments and thoughts, and um, if you have any recommendations for a topic that we should look into, I love that too. So I also want to hear your feedback on... Uh, the people who asked me for the particular video that I mentioned in another episode, I really, really want to hear back from you guys and hear what you thought about it. So um, if you could do that, that would be awesome. I'm going to take a quick break and when I come back, I will be joined by John. Hi, and welcome back to the Better Me Podcast. This is Jen, and I am joined by my husband and co-host, John. Yes, who's had childhood trauma, so... <laughs> well, how perfect. Obviously, this <laughs> will be fitting. Yes. Well, we wanted to do this topic because we actually got to talking and realized how much of like the things that happened when we were younger, like we didn't even really recognize how they affect us later in life. Yeah, you really don't realize that you've been traumatized (laughs) till you look back and someone identifies, you know that's trauma. Well, or you kind of think, yeah, that's not right. Yeah. That was, that probably really affected me. I've done a lot of soul searching as I've gotten older (laughs) And realize that some of the shit my mother did was not fucking normal behavior. Right. And I didn't even realize it. I was just like, ah, it is what it is. Yeah. <clears throat> you know? Yes. Like my fucking beer cans. I'm still pissed about my beer cans. <laughs> You've told the story. She threw away your beer can collection. Not just any collection. This thing was worth thousands of thousands of dollars. And for whatever reason, she threw them away. Yeah. Why would you do that? Maybe she didn't actually throw them away. Maybe she cashed them in. Either way, it's fucked up. (laughs) That's hell. That's even worse. (laughs) She may have done that. She may have. Yeah. Um, So we're talking about 
childhood traumas and also the pros and cons of therapy because we've gotten into discussions before where I'm pro-therapy and you tend to be more of the con. Not tend to be. I am con. Yeah, you are. And I have my own reasons for that. Yes, <laughs> I know that you do. We'll talk about that. Okay, okay. For sure. So what are, what is childhood trauma? Obviously, it's like traumatic experiences that you have it as a child that impact the way you form attachments. Right. I mean, but I mean, traumatized might be a strong word because I, I don't believe I was ever traumatized. Well, I mean, I think that trauma can be on a spectrum. Okay. Well. I think there can be small ones and large ones. I mean, either way, they affect you in some way. Yeah, I mean, my mother was never like, holding my hand over a hot stove and burning me or anything like that. Right. You know? Yeah. It's just more mind games now that I look back. Mm-hmm. Which I think that, I think whether it's physical or mental, that they're, they still affect you, the thing, uh, you know, yeah. equally. I'm probably guilty of that too. I remember a time where, I feel bad for this, and Heather will remember this. I always, when, when they used to eat food, they always said, I'm, I'm full, right? Yes. That was a big thing. So I said, okay, well, would you, you want some cake then? Mm-hmm. And they would say, yeah. And then I would say, then you're still hungry, keep eating. Mm. Right? Yes. And I remember one time, Heather was eating something, and I made her keep eating, and she literally threw up on the plate. Yeah, that's traumatic. That is traumatic, and I felt horrible. But I thought she was bullshitting me. Mm-hmm. She wasn't. Clearly. Clearly. That was, yeah. I still remember She that. probably talks about that in her therapy sessions. No, she does not. I bet she didn't even remember that. I hope she doesn't. You said she probably does. She probably does now. Well, she is going to now when, she, when I, she recalls that one. So. I remember being forced to eat things, too. And I feel like that is, like, kind of traumatic. I was forced to eat a tuna casserole. My mom made it knowing I didn't like seafood. She knew very well. She made a tuna casserole. I said, is this chicken? She goes, no, it's tuna. I said, I don't eat tuna. She goes, well, you're eating that. I said, no, I'm not. And she made me sit at that freaking dinner table from like 4 o'clock in the afternoon until my grandpa got home at 9 o'clock and chewed her ass, said, let that boy go to bed. Mm -hmm. I was still sitting there. Wow. Yeah, I wasn't fucking eating it. <laughs> it was a showdown at the OK Corral at the at the old... Fr- I was only like freaking 10. Yeah. But I was steadfast. I ain't eating fucking tuna. <laughs> I had a similar thing happen with peas, actually. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why parents think that, like, if you've tried something, give it up. You know what I mean? Right. You at least have to try it. If you've tried it and you don't like it then that's your own personal taste buds. Correct. Whether you're 5 or 50. Yeah. If you're making your kids eat shit they don't like, that's fucking drama. That is drama. Okay. So we are going to talk about um, recognizing trauma. Okay. Right? Yep. Sometimes you feel like something's not quite right. Or that your response to certain people, places, or experiences is, you know, uh, not normal for the occurrence. So you 
have a certain reaction to a person that you just met that you think like there's something wrong about this person and I'm, I don't have good feelings about them and maybe you're connecting it to someone in your past. Do you have an example? Well, maybe somebody just displays certain behaviors that remind you of your mom oh. or that remind me of my dad. Okay. And so you just have this like bad feeling about it or it could be too that like you walk into a new place and there's like a certain smell and you connect it back to maybe something that happened like your mom was making, you know, something with cinnamon and you walk into a place and you smell cinnamon and you connect it back to yeah. that memory. Uh, and that happened for good memories too. I, 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 I'm big on, on smell. So I'll smell something and it'll take me back to a time in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. I have that a lot with perfume. I think we call that, some people call that deja vu. Oh, well, I don't know. Sometimes deja vu isn't it where you're, like, you think you've been somewhere, yeah. but you really haven't. Yeah, maybe that's what that is. But, I mean, it's, it's kind of along that lines where you smell something or hear something or hear a song, and it takes you back to a time. Yeah, it's like nostalgic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, what are some of the, like, adverse childhood experiences they call it the 10 aces oh it's physical abuse verbal abuse sexual abuse physical neglect emotional neglect alcoholic parents domestic abuse mental illness in um, your family or your parents were mentally ill abandonment from a parent or imprisonment of a parent damn but you can also have childhood trauma from like bullying or uh, maybe a natural disaster that happened. Yeah, I'm sure. Or like a car accident. Absolutely. You know, those types of things. Um, and sometimes trauma can actually cause disassociated amnesia where you block memories of those particular traumatic events. And they only come back later in life when something spurs it on. Well, I mean, PTSD. Yes. A lot of military, a lot of law enforcement, and the, the shit that they experience sometimes on a daily basis has to come back to haunt them. You can only squash that down for so long before that stuff will eventually come back to haunt you, I believe. Totally. Yeah. Yes. I would say um, on a personal level... I definitely feel like I squashed down a lot of things until um, certain situations happened with you where I felt like I needed to put like a reason behind why I had certain reactions to certain things, you know? Like something, what do you mean something happened with me? You know, like just small things maybe like just my reaction to you sometimes oh you know as a result of something that happened in your childhood right so i mean we've talked many many times about like how you um uh display your anger you know and so me or in general are you telling me you yeah we've talked a lot about how like sometimes i take your anger personally that it affects me, you know, 
even if you're not angry and you're just using like a certain tone that it affects me in a certain kind of way. I got you. I got you. Um, I don't want to paint the picture that I'm this powder keg over here. <laughs> no, but I'm just saying that, you know, the way that your anger comes out sometimes, I have a reaction to it. And I'm not saying that it's your fault and I'm not saying it's my fault. I'm just saying, you know, it is what it is. I know, but I'm not I'm not a screamer. I I talk, my voice gets yeah. louder. Yes. But that's also in general conversation. We've had that conversation many times. Yes. <laughs> well that's what I'm saying. We've talked about that a lot. But so that means that then I had to kind of go back and go like, why is my reaction so strong to that? You know? Right. Or why do I take that so personally and, and, and if, feel like I have to take it on? And did you come to any conclusions? Well, um, because I, I actually talked to a therapist, I was able to understand that there are certain, um, well, we've talked before about like attachment theory, right? And how you, how you were raised, how you attach to your parents is how you end up going into relationships in your life. Right. Right. So just to, um, to go back to that and kind of make it like a little bit clearer, there's four attachment styles. Um, one of them is secure attachment. So you had awesome parents who were there for you physically and mentally. You know, you had a super healthy situation as a child. So that means that later in life you end up in healthy relationships and you have a good self-esteem. Number two is ambivalent attachment. So that would cause you to be reluctant to get close to someone and you always fear that your partner is going to leave. Okay. And that would be a result of if, let's say, your parents got divorced or something? It could be. It could be as simple as a divorce. It could be that somebody just, like, up and left. It could be um, that a parent even physically didn't abandon you, but maybe just was never around and, you know, maybe worked all the time or just didn't really pay that much okay. attention to you. Got it. Um, three is avoidant attachment and that can leave you with problems with intimacy and never letting anyone too close. Another um, would be like fear of abandonment again. Okay. And the fourth one is disorganized attachment. What's so that? that's where you would take on more of like a parental role in your relationship. Oh, is that like where women call their husbands daddy? <laughs> well, I think it goes beyond that where they actually like treat them like a kid. Oh. You know, okay. or maybe even a husband that talks to his wife like she's a child. Yes. Um, so... That I just wanted to be clear about what the attachment styles were because I'm not sure if we ever really went into them fully. And and this is you learned this when you went to a therapy, or you learned this from your research. Well, he brought it up to me, and then um, there is there was actually like a book that I ended up ordering, and I read about a lot of it, and it really does make perfect sense. I mean, if you were, 
if you were abandoned as a child, of course, when you go into a romantic relationship later in life, that's going to be there, like where you think that this person's going to leave. Okay. Right? Right. Because, you know, you kind of pack your shit and take it with you <laughs> when you get older. Right. You know? But what did, what did the therapist, I mean, see, this is, and I, I don't want to get off on this tangent already, but um, when they identify something mm-hmm. and they give it a name, like, well, okay, well, what, the, what you're suffering from is X, Y, Z. Does just knowing it has a label or it's happened to other people make you feel better? Because you, you still can't erase it. It still happened. Right. And actually, like, we're going to talk about uh, different ways to recognize your childhood traumas. And we'll talk a little bit about how you can kind of cope with that. You know, whether that is a therapist helping you to do so or whether you're using, like, self-therapy. Okay. Um, but, well, let's talk about that. What are the pros and cons of therapy? Okay. <laughs> So, I know you have your own list of cons. <laughs> well, listen, I'm not against... If it helps somebody, it helps somebody. Where I always come from is what makes you the expert and don't tell me you don't deal with this shit at your house. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I'll play devil's advocate. Okay. What makes me an expert? Eight years of school. Okay. Eight years of learning, reading something out of a book? Well, isn't that how your, isn't that how your doctor learned how to be your doctor? But let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Okay. (laughs) Let's say I am, let's say you and I are in therapy for problems at home. Mm Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. What advice is this guy going to be able to give that I probably haven't already figured out on my own? That, yes, we shouldn't be yelling at one another. Yes, we have problems. It's one thing, in my opinion, that, and I don't go to therapy, so maybe I don't know, but it always seems like they always got to play middle of the road. Well, how does that make you feel? John, do you understand that point, what, she, what she's saying? It's always got to like be 50-50. If you ever hit one that's like, no, you're fucked up six ways from something. <laughs> I got to disagree with that. I do think that... Um, I do think that they will not place blame, but will say like, you know, the way that you spoke to her in that moment was not healthy. So let me give you a way to speak to her that will be easier for her to take and come off as a lot more loving. Okay. Well, again, I don't, I don't, I don't disagree with you on, on any of this. You know, I, I guess I just have always felt I've never been in the position where I felt I need to talk to somebody. Okay. Um. Yeah, I think that, I, I mean, I think that maybe you have like a little bit of a um, skewed view on it that you think that like this person's going to just be, you know, 
um, like a know-it-all, right? Yeah, I, I think I, I would just be so cynical walking in and then I couldn't just flip it like a switch. Mm-hmm. Like as soon as he's opening my mouth, I was like, I, I, I just, yeah, you're full of shit. I mean, how do I flip that like a switch? If it's in my head, it's in my head. Right. So uh, like what I was asking you earlier, if you don't trust somebody who's gone to school for psychotherapy after, you know, they've gotten their doctorate, what makes you then trust a doctor who's gone to medical school or a heart surgeon? I don't know, because I can clearly see he, sick people come in and they walk out well. Mm -hmm. He's got a proven track record of that. Right. But I don't know the success rate of this freaking guy. He's not going to tell us. Or maybe he is going to tell us how great he is. He probably is going to tell you that. <laughs> well, I think you could probably find those things out, just like you would do research on well, like, I mean, who's going to do your heart surgery. If, if there was word to mouth, I would be likely to... Like, if there was another guy like me, and he said, you know what, I went to this guy, and he really is pretty good. Mm -hmm. And I trusted that guy. Maybe then. Mm -hmm. But, you know, other than that, I mean, I, I, I may... Word to mouth would, would, would mean a lot. But, I mean, I, I just ne have never felt any problems and I don't mean that with just you and you and me mm -hmm. but even myself have risen to the point where I have to talk to somebody about it mm -hmm. I've just never had anything that overwhelming that I had to talk to somebody about it okay you know well that's good yeah I mean if you never feel or like maybe you need I, it or maybe I'm just squashing it I don't know <laughs> it could be could be but I mean I don't go to sleep at night just with all this trauma circulating in my head. Mm -hmm. The only time trauma comes out is when I talk about it with you at a fucking podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's I'm when glad I, I could dredge those up for you. That's when I remember all this stuff. <laughs> we start talking about it. So one of the cons that you have is talking to a stranger. Yes. Somebody who doesn't know you, you don't know them. Correct. Um, also, probably finding a therapist that you click with. So, you know... Personality-wise, and I think, you know, most people will tell you that the first therapist you go to may not be the guy. Right. You know, or girl. But that could also force you to not see, seek out another one. Right. And that's what I'm suggesting is first that... First impressions or lasting impressions. Maybe it's good to realize that, you know, the first person that you meet is maybe not going to be the person... That's right for you. I got you. So you kind of have to do some shopping. How do you feel about couples that where the woman, let's say in this example, believes in it and the husband does not? Should the woman go without the husband? Yes. Oh. Mm-hmm. And um, I will say that, you know, when I, when I was talking to my therapist, I would always say, like, you know, if at any point you would want my husband to come, I could probably talk him into it. And he w was saying, you know, just being here by yourself and working on yourself is enough. Oh, you know, he okay. doesn't necessarily have to come. You know, and I think that... But I, I would have went with you if you thought it would help you. Right. Yes. You know, I, I'm not... 
worried that he's going to tap into some something inside <laughs> my head or, you know. Or, you never know. Well, yeah. But <laughs> unfortunately, he, you know, he said, no, he sounds like a great guy. He, he doesn't need to come <laughs> Yeah, that's what he said. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other thing I think that, you know, is a big con for you is feeling like you're like a chapter in a textbook, you know, that like he's looking at you so clinically, you know? Right. Or like, well, you feel like this because this happened, you know, like that, that I learned that in school. <laughs> you yes, know what I mean? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Correct. It's like not as personal. Correct. Mm-hmm. I like to have a personal relationship. Like my doctor, I know my doctor. Right. I'll go golf with the doctor. Right. You call the doc at any time if I need something. Mm-hmm. I trust that guy. Yeah. Just like a, my motorcycle mechanic. He's a friend of mine. Mm-hmm. I trust that guy because he's working on something very important to me. And I need that thing. I need to know about what kind of, that he's got attention to detail. That I'm not just another number and he's just trying to file through, file my bike through. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel better about those individuals. Gotcha. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So basically what you're saying is that I have to find a therapist who will make friends with you. That will golf with me <laughs> and watch cowboy games with me and hang out with me. I'm going to go on next door. Are there any uh, psychotherapists who are cowboy fans and golf? Yeah. And, <laughs> I Please call me. Or, or ride Harleys. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck finding that guy. So I'm going to say that the pros of therapy um, is that you get a new and unbiased point of view. Okay. That um, it's somebody who can change your focus. Somebody who can tell you like in what way to change your focus. And also they are able to recognize negative patterns maybe more so than you are. Okay. You know, so telling them about situations that you had in your life where bad things, you know, or you feel bad about it or, you know, it brings up something negative for you. Um, and having them, you know, kind of point out like, oh, remember you had that same reaction when you did this or you had that same reaction when you went there. Right. And here... This is how we're going to, you know, change the narrative, right? Yeah, I mean. And I will say that one of the one of the really beneficial things that I came out with was um, learning that feelings are not facts, right? And that was something, that's something that I think about all the time. Like whenever I have a feeling about something and I get really fixated on it, I have to ask myself, is this a feeling or a fact? Oh. And if I don't know that it's a fact, I have to find out. Okay. And until then, it's just my feeling. Oh, that makes sense. Right? That sounds like good advice. Yes. All right. <laughs> so, um, also, there is the opportunity for self-therapy. Right. Okay, yeah. I mean, there's tons of books out there. There's um, there's a certain kind of therapy called CBT. It's cognitive behavioral therapy, and that's something that you can do on yourself okay. or for yourself. So we'll come back to that because I wanted to talk about um, 
how we are going to recognize it and what we're going to do from there. Right? Sounds good. Okay. So some signs of repressed childhood traumas. Here we go. Uh, and let me just tell you that the stat is that 60% of American adults have repressed childhood traumas. 60%? Yes. So don't worry if you are worried about Heather and um, being forced to eat until she vomited. Yeah. <laughs> She's just one of the 60%. I'm wondering how they even came up with that number. How did they tally that? You see, this is where I go immediately. Yeah, you do. <laughs> That's how my head works. Like, how the fuck did they come up with 60%? Well, they didn't pull everybody. Well, I, I don't know. Yeah, That's a anyway. Really good question. Okay. Um, so the number one is that you have uh, strong, unexplained reactions to specific people. Mm. We were kind of talking about that earlier. Okay. So a person reminds you of the past. All right. Um, you have a lack of ease in certain places. So anxiety and fear triggered by being in a certain place with sounds or colors or smells. Um, number three is extreme emotional shifts. So unexplained extreme anger. Where you or, just fly off the handle. Yes. Okay. Or like extreme sadness, sadness yeah. fear. Um, number four would be attachment issues, which we were talking about that. Okay. So you're um, unattached or you're like intensely attached. Oh. Clingy. Yes. Okay. Um. And you are always, like, anxious of being left. Oh. Uh, number five would be anxiety or hypervigilance. So hypervigilance meaning... Um, Paranoia? You constantly have the fear that you're threatened oh. in some way. So with no real, you know, it's kind of more unexplainable. Okay. Um, number six would be that you have childhood reactions. Or childish reactions. So um, you have childlike outbursts. Tantrums. Um, tantrums. Maybe you even like... Pout. Do like, yeah, like a baby talk. Oh. Kind of a thing. Pout, yeah. Use, you know, more uh, childhood language, you know, like your childish language. You're not the boss of me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um... So then we'll go back to, I was talking about like how there's like different ways that you can kind of like do some like self therapy. So the one that I was talking about is cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT. So this is how that works. You, there's five steps. Number one is you make a list. So make a list of the things that are bothering you, how your feelings, that sort of thing. Number two is record unproductive thoughts. Okay. Number three. Wait, what's what's an unproductive thought? Um, like, uh, I'm gonna fail at this presentation. Oh, okay. You know, just it something that comes out of nowhere. You just think like I'm I'm just gonna fail, and you never give yourself a chance. So if I'm just keep reliving the, the fact that the Cowboys lost last night, is that an unproductive thought to the yes. Eagles? That's unproductive. Well, it is because there's nothing you can do about it. Let it go. You need to let it go. Okay. 
<laughs> number four is read your list often. All right. Number five is notice and replace. Notice and replace. Notice the bad. Oh, the bad in with the good. Correct. So CBT is basically like learning skills that will interrupt and change the narrative of your problematic thoughts and behaviors. Hmm. Um, so how it works, right? Okay. Number one is magnification. So that's when you focus on one small mistake, um, like we were talking about earlier. Maybe you focus on like the smallest little mistake you made in an hour-long presentation. So using CBT, you would kind of zoom out on the whole picture. Right. And look at the big picture. Like you had an hour that was fabulous. You stumbled on your words at one point in the presentation. That's not the big picture. Okay. Right? That small little thing doesn't really matter. So you have to stop like magnifying those little details. What if you stumbled on your words through the whole presentation? Well, then you suck and you oh. are a failure. Well, okay. Well, then you're a fucking horrible therapist. <laughs> uh, this is self-therapy. Oh, okay. <laughs> Um, so number two would be fortune telling. And that's where you immediately imagine the worst case scenario. So, uh, example would be you have a blind date tonight and you immediately imagine that it's just going to be super awkward. You're not going to have anything to talk about and it's going to be. You make yourself kind of get wound up. Right. Because you're doom and gloom. I got you. So you're, you're, you know, fortune telling like the worst case scenario, basically. So if you use CBT, you would imagine the best case scenario, obviously. Focus on the present and a positive interaction. Get laid. Huh? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> well, that would be the best case scenario if I was on it. You know, all right. It's super comfortable. That's terrible. You, you, love, you, you are loving your time together. You have a lot to talk that's about. That's what I meant. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, just, you know, not always looking at, you know, two steps ahead. Maybe staying more in the present and, like, you know, let's just... Relax right now. I'll have a glass of wine while I put my makeup on and enjoy my time right now. Okay. And worry about it when I get to the restaurant or whatever. Got right? it. So number three would be mind reading. Um, and that is like thoughts assuming about what another thinks or feels or what their motives are. Wait a minute. Say that again. Mind reading. Right. So, um, Give me an example. Your... Um, I'm assuming that you're pissed off at me and it's because you're, you know, you're upset upstairs throwing stuff around and I immediately assume that it's like that you're pissed at me Oh, and not really considering that it could possibly not be personal. Could be the cat. It could be the cat. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Right? So you immediately think that you know the way that somebody else is feeling or thinking or what their motives are without actually, like, getting concrete evidence. Got it. Um, <clears throat> sorry. Number four is comparisons. 
So you're comparing yourself to something that is not even close to what you are. So let's say you compare yourself to somebody at work that they're doing a really great job, but they've been there five years longer than you and they know the job better than you do. Okay. And so you like, you're comparing yourself to them and immediately thinking that you're the failure and you beat yourself up over it. Right. So, or maybe like, this is a good one. If you're scrolling through Instagram as a female and you happen upon like this gorgeous Instagram model who's 15 years younger than you and you immediately compare yourself and think like, God, I, I look terrible. I'm fat, whatever. Right. Well, first of all, she's 15 years younger. Second of all, she, you know, Probably has photos, filters. Probably Photoshop and Photoshop. shit, right. Yes. Um, so CBD would, uh, CBT would be, imagine a stop sign in your head. And when you're making unhealthy comparisons, you focus on your accomplishments. Huh. That easy, huh? <laughs> I'm not saying it's I'm, easy. I'm not poo-pooing it. I'm just saying that's, that's the trick. That's the trick. I see. <laughs> Number five would be emotional reasoning. So believing something is true due to your emotion and not fact, which is kind of what I was talking about earlier. Correct. Is, is it, it a feeling, feeling or, or a fact? fact? So here's a great example. Um, you think your husband is cheating because you feel he's been working late and you're lonely. So CBD would, CBT would be, you, you keep I keep saying, saying CBD. CBD. That might help too. CBT would be um, asking yourself, is this a feeling or a fact? Okay. And if you don't know the answer, if you can't honestly say that it's a fact, then you need to do some research. Oh. And, you know. Hire a private detective? Well, no, I was going to say ask him. Oh. <laughs> ask him about it. Okay. <laughs> and, you know, just get the facts before you immediately jump into, you know, this foregone conclusion. Correct. Um. The next one is filtering. So discounting and ignoring certain information that doesn't fit your thoughts or feelings. Like believing that others don't like you and discounting the fact that you do have friends and family who love you. So CBT would be listing the facts only that support the belief. Right. So... That's that one. Well, what, what, okay. All right. I don't want to poop. I don't want to, I don't want to poop poo everything. So. <laughs> well, I don't think that, I mean, nothing about that. I think can really be I terrible. I, I, no, it's not. I just don't know how you just, I'm going to put the stop sign up and I'm going to stop thinking about that. And I'm going to stop thinking about the, how do you make a thought either come or go just by saying you want it to. Right. Well, I think... That's like saying, okay, I'm sad. Mm -hmm. Somebody passed away. Stop sign. I'm going to think good thoughts. <laughs> and I'm going to be happy. Right. No, I see what you're saying. And I understand some of that may seem like a little bit, you know, easy to say. And, you know... Easier said than done. Easier said than done, yes. Right. I get that. But I think it's more that you have to make it a practice. Okay. You know, that it's not something you do just once and say like, well, that didn't work. 
you know, like you have to keep, you know, you have to keep going. And like what I was saying in the beginning, you know, the ways to do it was to like make a list and all that stuff and like, and reread your list often. So keep rereading it and go like, okay, when I think that I have to like, you know, visualize this. Well, I will say this. I have watched you over the years and I firmly believe that the advice your therapist gave to you, you heeded it and it helped you. Yes. So if there's, I would be more likely to listen to you because you have given pure examples of how it has helped. Now in those cases, I, I would listen, but I mean, that's because I'm hearing it from you that it worked. Not from the guy that you saw, the therapist says, every, you know, my therapy works. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Kind of, again, goes back to word to mouth. Right, word of mouth, yeah. You know, or, you know, word of mouth. Um, so, it, 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 I, I, I get that, um, but, I mean, some of this stuff, I, I guess, is just almost too hard to get your head around, but mm-hmm. I digress. No, I can totally appreciate that. I mean, yeah, I guess it's Do you the ever same feel thing. you want to go talk to somebody now about stuff? Yeah, but I enjoy that. Oh. So I can appreciate the fact that that's not your thing, but I like that sort of thing. I like getting into, you know, deeper conversations. Oh. You know, I mean, hello podcast, right? Yeah. I mean, I enjoy this. Right. So. Okay. Okay, so now that we have sort of figured out that we have childhood traumas, the obvious question would be, how do you deal with that? Okay. If you're, you know, if you're not going to go to therapy, I mean, obviously that would be um, an option and a very good option in my opinion. Right. Um, but ways that you can cope kind of on your own. Without medicine, without meds. Without meds, yeah. Okay. Because to me, I feel like, you know, it's much more important to find... The root cause. The root cause than to just put a Band-Aid on it, I right? I got you. Yep, makes sense. So the first one would be to acknowledge and recognize the trauma for what it is. So kind of figuring out, like, you know, what it is that keeps coming up. And, okay, so, you know, my... My dad was physically and mentally abusive. So, you know, this is how that affected me. Kind of just, you know, coming to terms with it, right? Yep. yep. The second would be to regain control. So control your narrative and your reactions to certain things. Could do, Say that again? Control your... Reclaim, reclaim control. Okay. So, um... The How do you do that? example that I would give would be after I've recognized the fact that, you know, that my dad was like abusive, he would hit up, he would hit me, right? So the way that I reclaim control on that is that when I had a child, I decided very early on that I would not physically um, discipline. Gotcha. So not knowing how I could control myself in that situation, I just took took it out of the equation. Not even an option. Not even an option. Gotcha. 
um, or focusing, um, what another thing that like the, when I was younger, I felt like it was very important for me to, uh, to look a certain way. So like my sister was the really smart one. My brother was the boy. And so I kind of fell into this, um, narrative of like, I was the cute one. Right. So that's what you wanted to be or you were, that's what it felt like I was, you know, told to be. Okay. So it was very important that I presented myself in a certain way physically. So later in life, when I had my own child, I purposely thought I have to back up every time I said anything about her physically, I would back it up with something that was non-physical. So it would never be like, oh, you're so pretty. It would be like, you're so smart and beautiful. You know what I mean? So there was something else that didn't have to do with the way she looked. I got you. Because that felt like so much pressure, right? So that's what I mean by reclaiming control. Okay. Um, number three would be seek support and don't isolate yourself, which makes sense, right? And support doesn't necessarily have to be a paid therapist. It could be just friends or, you know, a family member that you trust or your spouse. Got it. Um, which I think that uh, you've put yourself in that position, you know, just like from our from our conversation last week that we had, you know, we ended up just sitting here talking about things like that and it was very cathartic. Oh, that's to me. we were playing we were playing but we were playing, playing a game. game. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we just happened that's to what got it. us on this subject. Yes. Yeah. We just kind of started talking about it and I'm and to me that feels like seeking support. Okay. Right? Yep. Um, number four would be take care of your health. So a lot of times, you know, when people do have like traumatic situations in their past, they tend to, you know, manifest it in like eating disorders or, um, you know, certain behaviors that are, you know, not healthy. Right. Number five would be learn the true meaning of acceptance and letting go. So accepting whatever happened and figuring out a way to you know, kind of change the narrative. Number six is replace bad habits with good ones. So like I was talking about before, um, maybe your not taking care of your health was that you, um, you know, you start taking drugs or you do have some kind of like eating disorder, um, replacing that with something good. So you you know, you weren't eating very healthy. Now you're going to learn everything you can about nutrition, right? Okay. And number seven is be patient with yourself and establish healthy relationships and boundaries. So establishing healthy relationships where you're at, putting boundaries in those relationships, but then also making sure that you're putting boundaries on maybe the person or people who caused you trauma in the past. 
you know, as a child, obviously you couldn't tell your parents, like, I don't want anything to do with you. Right. Or, you know, we can hang out this day and this day, but, you know, no more than that. Or I don't want you coming over to my house. I'll come to you. You know, you obviously couldn't do that when you were a child, but you can do that as an adult. Got it. You know, put more, like, healthy boundaries on things. So, and that's what I got. Wow. <laughs> okay. And what, uh, what are your feelings on this? I mean, again, and I, and I, I say it from the beginning, I don't, I, and, and I have a daughter that this is what she does as a social worker. Yes. And I certainly know that the value of talking to someone can bring, mm-hmm. you know, um, and if it helps you, man, I'm all about it. Go do you, boo boo. <laughs> if it helps you, then do it. Yes. You know. Yes. But I, I just don't think you can be forced to go if you just don't. A, you don't feel you need it, and B, you 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 just don't believe that the person is credible. I mean, I. I yeah, I think, I mean, that's something that you definitely need to do your research on. And and it's, you know, not maybe just a one-time thing. You yeah. know, maybe you're not going to pick up the phone the first time and meet the right person. Yeah, I mean, and, and I, I guess I just have never thought that we were ever in a place where I said, okay, uh-oh, mm-hmm. we need some help. Mm-hmm. I have never felt that in our entire time together. Right. You may have, but I haven't, which could be part of the problem. <laughs> no, I don't think that. I just think that there are certain reactions that you have that are, you know, not that maybe you can't figure out how to uh how to approach things differently you, or why you have certain reactions to things. But you 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 say that Mm-hmm. But I, I I don't fly off the handle. If 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 if, if I'm having a heated discussion with you, I don't call you names or anything like that. The, no, I don't. The mean... worst thing I do is walk away. I you're but... kind you're kind of painting me a picture like I'm. I have this anger issues. And no, then, I wasn't even talking you're... about your anger. I wasn't even talking about that. I was just saying that like having reactions to anything like my reaction to you walking away why do i have that you know what i mean why does it bother me so much yeah i mean but i guess you spend a lot of time in thought Mm -hmm. i don't yes (laughs) i just don't i don't the the things just don't keep resonating running around in my head i might think about it for a while but then i've got something else to think about Mm mm-hmm but for me, that's why I felt like I needed to talk to somebody because I felt like I don't want to be, I don't want to do that. I want to figure out like when I start to, you know, when I start to think like that, I want tools to go, okay, this is how I'm going to stop thinking about that. This is how I'm going to feel better about that. Okay. Right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, and again, it goes back. If it helps you, it helps you. I just don't think you can just cram somebody into therapy, especially if, I mean, like I said, I would go if you said, 
The doctor said, the therapist said, it would help if you'd show up. I would clearly show up and I would walk in there with my best frame of mind that I could possibly have. Mm -hmm. Yes. But if you said, you know, would you go see someone I, to deal with whatever, I, I probably wouldn't go. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't go. Right. You know? Well, and that's fair. Just because I, mean, I don't mean, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm far from perfect. But as I go through life and I look at other people, I'm like, fuck, I'm better than that guy. <laughs> My relationship is better than that relationship. Yeah. In the big scheme of things, all is pretty good. Right. You know? No, I agree. I, I wasn't suggesting that it's not. And I'm not suggesting that I thought that there was ever a time that, you know. No, I'm, but I, I'm, I'm saying. I think that maybe you're thinking that I'm making it about you, but it, I'm actually talking just like myself personally. Oh, okay. I kind of thought you were aiming this at like this, my anger issues. I'm like, what no, 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 I'm have? not, I'm not. I was talking more about my own personal reactions because I don't just have reactions to you. I have reactions to everyone, you know, just like anyone else does. But for me, I wanted to know, like, why does that cause, a, you know, an extreme reaction from me? I would be very... Do you think more of your listeners are men or women? Or do you think it's 50-50? It's about 50-50. I would really, really be interested if your listeners would say, you know, what their thoughts on therapy and counseling. And, and I'm just kind of curious where... If more women, if, if it's more of a women thing and more men are like, nah, I don't need that, that stuff, mm -hmm. you know, cause they're guys and that's, you know, they don't, they figure they don't need help with anything cause they're male ego or whatever the case. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. So. So we need to ask people to. Yeah. Ask them to, yeah. Ask them to chime in. Let us know. Yeah. We're curious. Um, well, that was a great one. I appreciate it. Of course. Thank you very much. This is my therapy. <laughs> yes. You're getting therapy and not even... I'm not even being it. charged for it. <laughs> it's free therapy. All right. Well, thank you, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to this episode today. I hope you enjoyed it. And please get back to us. Let us know what your thoughts are on the matter. And um, also, I want to thank my supporters. I truly appreciate you. And I think you're awesome. So thank you so much. Hope you guys have an awesome day and we will talk soon. Bye-bye.